0: Everybody welcome to the Ultimate Retirement Podcast. My name's Rachel Neighbors. I'm here with my awesome and incredible husband Jeff Neighbors. Welcome.
1: All right. So uh, what are we covering today, Rachel?
0: Well, I figured that we would just sort of dive into this being our inaugural podcast for um, our ultimate retirement and also our ultimate retirees out there. Most people know a little bit about your background, but in case they don't, you warned people about the real estate bubble before it popped. You got out, um, helped people to move lots of money out of the stock market before it popped along with real estate. You've been helping people invest in gold since back in like 2007 when it was, you know, 800 bucks an ounce, and I think you were the first, if not one of the first firms to offer the solo 401k. So, on top of all of that, you've been advising many multimillionaire individuals, high net worth families, um, and just sort of break it down for us. What are the main actions a person can take today to improve their finances, get peace of mind, and ensure that they have enough money throughout their retirement so they can have this ultimate retirement?
1: <laughs> well, it's huge, a good bio, right? Yeah, good intro. Huge setup and uh, very good question. Probably the most relevant question for baby boomers in particular and uh, a lot of kinds of people out there, a couple of things that people can do. Here we are at the beginning of 2015. It's been a wild ride the past decade. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff has happened, and we're in very uh, challenging economic circumstances. Number one, what can an investor do? First off is to get control of re- their retirement funds. Uh, there's kind of in the self-directed IRA arena, there's this thing going on where there's people doing the kind of normal retirement thing where they're just in their typical standard IRA investing based on a menu of mutual funds or, you know, a couple of different kinds of funds, very limited, very locked down. And then there's this whole self-directed IRA industry, where people are going out there and investing mostly in alternative assets. They're using their IRA money, and they're buying a rental property. They're investing in tax liens. They're doing lending, where they're the lender on a mortgage note. They're uh, buying uh, gold and silver, and they're doing all these alternative investments, maybe even a pre-IPO. There's a lot of alternative investments out there, and that's what self-directed IRAs are all about, the way that most people see them. The way that I see things are, it really comes down to, do you have control of your retirement funds? You know, when you get a cell phone, uh, this might be a little bit outdated, but at least it used to be this way. When you get a cell phone, you can either get a locked cell phone, or that cell phone could only be used with one company. AT&T or Verizon, and it's useless outside of that company. You know, Maybe you set up with Verizon and it seems like it's going to be good. You know, I'll give you an example. My dad uh, has worked in the energy business, and down in South Texas, nothing but AT&T works. So if you get a Verizon cell phone and it's locked to Verizon, and then you try to go use it out in the field and the oil fields and the natural gas fields and all these projects that he's consulted with, If you don't have an AT&T phone, you don't have a signal. Hmm. Useless. No service. No service. Totally useless. Right? So you have to just chunk that phone. If you got a Verizon phone, this is just an example. Sure. It could be the opposite in different areas, whatever. This isn't about cell phones. But you you have to throw away a Verizon phone in South Texas, or at least it was that way for a while. And then you got to get an AT&T phone. Or you could get an unlocked phone and use it with any provider where there's no limitations. Well, the way that I see retirement accounts is in that exact way. There are locked retirement accounts and there are unlocked retirement accounts. It's not about putting it all in mutual funds or putting it all in a property, Mm, but that's been how most people have approached it. And so when I say, what are some of the main things that people can do? Number one, get control of your retirement funds. If you have IRA funds, if you have 401k funds, you don't have to choose a team. You don't have to choose Team Wall Street or Team Real Estate or whatever. You can choose Team U and you can get an unlocked retirement account. Uh, the best way to do that is with a solo 401k. A little bit of uh, confusing or confusion out there in the marketplace about that. A solo 401k is actually a type of self-directed IRA. Uh, Another type of self-directed IRA is is an IRA LLC. Another type is a custodian self-directed IRA. And the differences between these two uh, will most definitely be the subject of a future podcast episode. Totally.
0: Well, and I want to jump in for a second because, you know, I think that you know, back in the day when you first started spearheading a lot of this, I mean, you were going to Washington, DC meeting with the department of labor. Um, you were kind of like, you know, the lone wolf out, you know, in the dark and, you know, trying to rally the cries for self-directed investing. And now, you know, you were really one of the pioneers of the solo 401k. And now they're writing about, the solo 401k in Forbes. I mean, you've been featured in all of these different articles. Even Tony Robbins in his last book writes about the solo 401k. So do you think that it's easier now for people to be able to get control of their retirement funds than it was even, you know, five years ago?
1: It depends. You know, yes. You know, uh, if, if someone is viewing this podcast on jeffneighbors.com, as of today, as we're recording this, if you go to jeffneighbors.com, something's going to pop up and you're going to actually get a free report if you click on that pop-up that probably gives you the best education that you could possibly get about getting control of your retirement funds. Um, The main thing that I've been doing over the last 10 years with regard to this self-directed IRA investing stuff is publishing for free all the information through the IRA Association of America, through jeffneighbors.com, and various other sources with the interviews I've done with Wall Street Journal, Chicago Tribune, Los Angeles Times, uh, Entrepreneur Magazine, and others. And um, I'm not stopping. I haven't stopped that. I'm always continuing to put out the latest information so that anyone can go out there and get that stuff for free. Because the alternative is you can land on a page that's like, call us, talk to one of our sales guys. It doesn't really say sales guys, but talk to an advisor. right? And then people end up talking to a sales guy and the sales guy is there to make it sound as good as possible. And listen, uh, if a particular strategy isn't a good fit for you, I don't want you to do it. I don't want to cram it down your throat. But if you call one of those 800 numbers, they probably do want to cram it down your throat because that's their job is to sell stuff. Um, I'm retired. I retired from the real estate business and uh, the mortgage business. So luckily, I I don't have to sell stuff. I don't have a quota to hit at the end of every month. I just want to help people because it's been so rewarding for me and my inner circle of friends. So if I can extend that inner circle to start to include, you know, for instance, we have a subscriber base of 35,000 strong, um, many of them very loyal followers and fans because I put this information out for free. So to answer your question, if someone just Googles Self-directed IRA" and clicks on a random site? That random site's not going to make it any easier today than it was 10 years ago. But if you go to jeffneighbors.com and look at my latest free report that talks about how the self-directed IRA custodian compares to the self-directed IRA LLC as it compares to the solo 401k, then yes, all the work that I've put into in the last couple months to create that report is going to make things a lot easier than it was 10 years ago. And... 10 years ago, you know, we barely even had YouTube. We barely even had the ability to create videos. I mean, the internet- It's
0: crazy how fast the technology is moving.
1: Yeah, it's, it's great. You know, and, and either the technology is using you or you're using the technology, right? Right. And uh, I don't know what it is for, you know, our particular listener that's listening right now, but the possibilities are very expansive. There's lots of potential, but to create, to get that potential to collapse down to something that's really useful and valuable, uh, that's where very, uh, specific, you know, what we're doing with this podcast, we're going to be nailing down very specific topics. So we've talked about thing one, get control of retirement funds. Right. If you want more information about that, go to jeffneighbors.com right now. And there's a a CEO alert that's going to pop up when you get there. Click that and take the time to, to just turn off all the distractions and read that latest free report that I created, and you're going to get uh, more information, more valuable help than you can find anywhere else to know what you need to know about how to control your own retirement funds, how to unlock your IRA and 401k money, and unleash its full potential with that free report. That's thing one. Okay. Thing number two is to fund your retirement income. This is a concept that I call income supremacy. So the thing about investing today is that it's just not like it used to be.
0: It used to be that it, you know, if you were a millionaire, you had a million dollars, it was a big deal.
1: Yeah. You were set,
0: you were set for life.
1: hmm If someone sat down and made some financial goals in 1970, it would look like something like, hey, I just need to get a million dollars, and then I'm going to put it in a CD, and it's going to get $50,000 a year of interest. I can live off the interest. I'll never touch the principal. I'll live my whole retirement years on $50,000 a year, which was a lot of money back in 1970. And then I'll pass on the million-dollar CD to my kids or whoever I want I mean, like talk about the good old days that that's an incredible financial setup, but
0: it, that doesn't exist anymore. And, and I just want to, I want to back up for, for one quick second, because you said something that sounds simple, but is really worth repeating. So this income supremacy, you know, so this podcast is about the ultimate retirement and what that means, you know, just to break it down, super simple, When you're in your working days, the paycheck comes in, you're putting money away, you're saving, hopefully, you know, God willing, you're growing your money so that you, when you, when you retire, you know, you have something to work with there, a nest egg to work with. And then sort of what we need to, to think about and acknowledge is that once you stop going into work every day and the paychecks stop coming the expenses don't stop. You know, the, the power bill, the electric bill, water bill still needs to be paid. So part of what you're teaching people about is how to get that income to kind of keep going. Is that right in a way so that they can still pay the expenses? Is that kind of what you're, what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, well, there are two ways to retire, and if you kind of rewind all the way back to the be- beginning of the career for, like, let's say a baby boomer. At the beginning of a baby boomer's career, he or she was told, come on board, work for this company, and we're going to take care of your retirement. Pension. Yeah, it's a pension. Right, right. Right, so, so you're going to get your paycheck as an employee, and when you retire, you're just going to get your paycheck As a pensioner.
0: Right, right.
1: Okay. Unfortunately, that pension setup, has the rug has really been pulled out from under the majority of baby boomers. You know, pensions have been just shut down. Uh, Pensions have been raided by corporate takeovers. Uh, Government pensions have oftentimes been um, underfunded and rated as well. And for a lot of people, the, just the whole storyline of, of this company is going to pay you in your retirement was just shut down. Right. And so, you know, most people put their head down and went to work a long time ago. And then today they pop them, they pop their head up and they look around and there's no pension or there's a little pension. Or the pension that they have, it's it's uh, common knowledge that it's underfunded and not going to last. And so, for most people, most people the ten- the responsibility has been shifted from, oh yeah, we're just going to dump this money on you like a paycheck in your retirement to, well, really you just need to fund your IRA Mm. and your 401k. We'll do this 401k matching and things have really shifted to where, yeah, we'll put in a chunk of money and match your 401k contributions. But when it comes to time to retire, it's up to you to make sure that you have enough money to retire.
0: Well, and the thing that, that is really tough is you know like you said at the at the beginning if you're putting money into your 401k every month you know you're you're being good about about saving and investing maybe your employer is even matching the majority of those funds are going into something like mutual funds so if we have a crash of something like um you know 2001 2008 or whenever the next one's going to be, who knows? Then you don't you don't have as much in there as you thought you were going to, even though you've been putting away money diligently and even it's been matched. You know, it's subject to the crash, but and right. that's a little bit right. off topic. Okay. But
1: no, no, it's right on topic. So, way number one, method number one for funding your retirement pension income. Yeah. So, uh, for the generation before baby boomers, they they were promised pensions and those pensions mostly came through. So they retired, and their paycheck is coming in. Mm. And the way that pensions work is that there's a set amount of retirement income, and it just comes in as long as you're alive. So what a lot of the financial industry doesn't like to talk about is that nobody knows how long any one person is going to live. And back in the old pension system that is no more, that you know the the older generations are living and uh, receiving their pensions now the wonderful thing about that is that that money just comes in as long as they're alive and a lot for a lot of people's pensions it comes in for as long as they're alive or their spouse is alive but those are gone those have gone the way of the dinosaur the dodo whatnot um For particularly the the baby boomer generation and 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 everyone on their heels, uh, pensions aren't really uh, solving the retirement income need for for most people. And social security isn't either. I mean, the average social security payment is like thirteen hundred dollars a month. You know, can't
0: even make
1: if you want to live in a studio apartment (laughs) in you know the middle of nowhere. Sure. You know, maybe you could live on that potentially, ramen noodles, I don't know. But hey, let's go back and think about what that ideal retirement or the ultimate retirement, what this podcast is about is like. The ultimate retirement is not about ramen noodles. It's not about $1,300 a month. It's just not enough. Right. You need more money. Uh, you need a higher level of living than what $1,300 a month can provide. So a lot of people are mad about social security But in the government's defense, Social Security was never intended to fund people's retirement. At the time that Social Security was created, life expectancy was shorter than the Social Security benefit age. In other words, statistically speaking, every American, statistically, was going to die before Social Security would ever kick in. So Social Security was actually designed to to pay out the outliers or the statistically strange people who were living extraordinarily long beyond their life expectancy. Well, life expectancy is longer today. And a lot of people have just kind of, they know, they know that it was promised to them that the responsibility for paying for the retirement was somebody else's, it was the pensions, but it was never social security. And the pensions have kind of been taken out of the picture for the most part. Social Security is still in the picture, but it was never meant to really fund a retirement. And come on, thirteen hundred dollars a month. Let's be real.
0: Does not a retirement make
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so, what do you do? Well, there are two ways to approach it. You know, way number one for for most people, like uh, living up until the retirement, it's all about growth—the growth of their portfolio, the investments in the stock market, and all of that. And we know the stock market, it goes up and it goes down. There's a boom and bust cycle to the whole economy, to the market. You can just look at a stock market chart. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. A lot of people will point out, but it goes up higher every time. And it does, but it goes up and down. And the thing is, when your income is satisfied by a pay, or your income needs are satisfied by a paycheck, then your portfolio can go up and down and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But when the paycheck disappears, then you have to withdraw from your portfolio and you should never withdraw from a portfolio that's gone down. Mm. Because if you withdraw from a portfolio that goes down, then there's not as much money left in there to catch the bounce back on the way up. Got it. So with the way the stock market is, is uh, historically performed... It's totally fine and and does a pretty good job for uh, people that are in the wealth accumulation phase of their life, but for a lot of retirees, once you retire and the paycheck's coming out of drawing down from the portfolio, then those ups and downs really crush people. You know, someone who retired in 2000 or 2007 or 2008 or any time in the last 10 years, when the stock market crashes, you got to still make your withdrawal that year from your portfolio if that's how you're doing it. And then it's not going to bounce back as strong because you withdrew from it while it was down. So that's way number one. And it's super risky. And there are so many people who retired with a million dollars, thought it was going to work, and then they just, you know, 10 years into their retirement, ran out of money completely. And now they're in the same situation they were at age 18.
0: But they're and, no. and it's not their fault. And it's not their
1: fault. They were lied to. Right. They were lied to about having a pension and the pension didn't come then they just said, it's okay, just keep investing in the stock market and that didn't work out. So way number one doesn't really work very well unless you expect the stock market to just go up and up and up and up and never down. It would work if it did that, but the stock market's never done that. The stock market's gone up and down and up and down. It goes through boom and bust cycles with the rest of the economy too. So way number two is where a lot of people are starting to wise up to the fact that uh, people can get their own privately funded pension through the form of an annuity contract with a life insurance company. And historically, life insurance companies have a much stronger and safer reputation than banks do, than the stock market in general does. And so for when it comes to retirement safety, and when it comes to funding retirement income, there's this concept of income supremacy. Mm. And that means that for a retiree, your income stream is more important than your assets. So I'll repeat that. You know, if you go back to the 80s when, you know, interest rates were higher and someone could just, you know, oh, I didn't get a pension, but whatever, I'll just get a million bucks and put it in a CD and live off the interest. Well, that worked back then. But today, the interest rates are in the toilet. They're not even 1%. (laughs) not even 1%. So it takes six or seven times as much money to buy a decent amount of CD income as it used to. Mm-hmm.
0: That old strategy doesn't work.
1: Now. The old strategy doesn't work. Buying a CD doesn't work. Uh, hoping for a pension. If you don't have that pension, it doesn't work. You have to create your own pension. So the way to create your own pension today is to go to the life insurance industry and we can elaborate on that in a future podcast. Well, that's too. what I was
0: going to say. For the ultimate retirees that are listening to this particular episode, Jeff, we're gonna we're gonna dive into annuities in greater detail in a future podcast because I know that um, that in and of itself is a is a loaded topic. There's a lot of um, pieces to to dive into there.
1: Right. So number one, get control of your retirement funds. Okay. Uh, even if you're not going to invest them in real estate, you can get control of your retirement funds and just get them out of those high-fee mutual funds and get them into index funds if you're just a kind of basic investor. Okay. You know, so we'll talk more about that later. Number two, get your retirement income funded. In fact, it should be more important for you to make sure that you have retirement income that's going to last you. Not as an amount of money that you draw down from, but as an income stream, just like a pension. Getting that income stream to be guaranteed and pay you out for the rest of your life without that downside risk of the stock market, that's a lot more important than whatever your net worth is. Mm. So your retirement income stream is more important than your net worth figure. Mm. Okay, so that's number two. Number three is to get some money out of the United States. And this is something that wealthy people have been doing since the beginning of time. This is something that, if you go and talk to multimillionaires and billionaires, they've all done it. And uh, you know, I mean, when Mitt Romney was running for president, the mainstream media tried to give him some flack uh, for the fact that he had some money in Switzerland. Really, it it was just a silly approach. I mean. If, if Mitt Romney has money offshore, good for him. You know, if the mainstream media would do their job properly, they would be telling people how to follow in his footsteps and also get money offshore. Unfortunately, the mainstream media is funded by their advertisers, which is mostly Wall Street, which is basically like, we need all of your money to funnel up to New York.
0: You know, mm-hmm. we're going to have
1: the branches out in all of your local cities, but ultimately all the money needs to be invested with all these, you know, main big banks, these Wall Street companies, when in reality, anyone who's looking for safety knows that they need to get some money in a different financial center. So the United States is one.
0: jurisdictional kind of diversification? Yeah. So the
1: the United States is one government. It's a financial system. It's a banking system. And while we may be the freest country in the world, we're not the only country in the world. And we're not the only financial system in the world. And the wealthiest people in the world all have money in other countries, like Switzerland. Now, here's the thing with with getting money offshore, especially when you talk about Switzerland. When you talk about Switzerland, this concept comes up of cheating on your taxes and getting money into a secret place. And that may have been the case with getting money in Switzerland in the past. But today, it's not about banking secrecy in fact there's a really interesting statistic Uh, somewhere around one third of the private wealth on planet earth is in switzerland wow even though the people who own it are not in switzerland so people from all over the world the wealthiest people in the world take a chunk of money and put it in places like switzerland and it's not, and, and, you know, banking secrecy is dead. I think we all know that. There were stories years ago about banking secrecy being dead. It's not about secrecy, it's about safety, right? It's about, uh, you know, we can talk in a future podcast about how the Swiss economy has some advantages over the other economies. Mm. Uh, you know, personally, I traveled, you know, I traveled all around the world uh, to actually ex- explore what the world has to offer, Weird. potentially even considering finding another place to live. Right. You know, we thought, hey, U.S. is really great, but hey, if there's another place that's uh, even aw- more awesome to live in, let's go find it. Well, we traveled around the world. We
0: went, you know, through Canada, all over Europe, all over South America.
1: Mm-hmm. We went through all the big areas that, you know, the internet... The, the internet
0: contenders.
1: Yeah, the internet newsletters all talk about living and investing overseas, and they talk right. about all these hot spots. We went to all the hot spots. Well... This podcast is coming to you from Scottsdale, mm-hmm. Arizona, uh, because we live in Scottsdale, Arizona during part of the year, and Denver, Colorado, or near Denver, Colorado during the other part of the year, we're snowbirds, uh, but we still live in the U.S. Why do we live in the U.S.? Because it's the best place to live. It is. But it's not the best place for money to live. Mm. It's not the best place for all of your money to live, okay. you know? This isn't about extremes. You don't have to put all of your money in the U.S., that's extreme. Mm. Or put all of your money in some other country, that's also extreme. This is about diversification. This is about balancing things out. This is about managing risk. This is about setting things up so that in the future, you know, it's not like you bet your whole retirement on some Super Bowl game or something like that or something, the equivalent of it. totally. You know, even if it comes down to having all of your money in the U.S., hey, you know what, that's risky. Go find a billionaire who has all his money in the U.S. Bet you can't find him. Mm. I haven't. Mm. I've talked to a lot of billionaires. I haven't found one who has all his money in the U.S. Well, does it make sense for people with smaller amounts of money to learn from billionaires? I say yes. And the thing is that you know if you have a $500,000 nest egg or a $5 million nest egg or whatever you might not be able to do everything that a billionaire can do, but you can get some of your money offshore. Mm. And, and uh, I've done a lot of the research, you know, flying all over the world that it takes to find out where can somebody actually put their money, where it's going to be safe, it's going to be insured, just like in the U.S., but it's going to be in a different financial system. Sort of the U.S. financial system has some problems, or if an American, you know, if you're an American, if you get sued, it's a really good idea oh, to have yeah, some assets definitely. protected in another country, completely legally, of course. Uh, I think these are good ideas. And when you go and you, and you listen to the wisest, wealthiest people that are Americans, they all have money offshore. They might not talk about it on CNBC, but it's there. It's offshore. And, uh, and I've made a big study of figuring out why they do it and how they do it and what the benefits are. And so those are, the, those are the three big bullet points. Number one, get control of your retirement funds. Number two, fund your retirement income. When it comes to retirement, income is supreme over net worth. And net worth is important after you fund your retirement income. But if you just focus on net worth and skip over retirement income, you'll mess it all up. And number three, get some money offshore. And, uh, and these are a couple of topics that are really going to be, I think, the, the, the main focus of our, uh, of our upcoming podcast episodes.
0: Well, that's awesome. These are, I mean, talk about starting with a bang um, for all you ultimate retirees out there or soon to be ultimate retirees. Um, We're really looking forward to sharing a lot more of this information with you and not just sharing information, but sharing real action steps, things that you can do so that you can live the ultimate retirement. And Jeff, before we sign off, where can our listeners find you and learn a bit? More about you and um, what action steps might be available to them.
1: The best place would be jeffneighbors.com. The way to get there is to spell it right. That's J E F F N A B E R S. And if someone goes to jeffneighbors.com or Googles jeffneighbors, that'll take them to jeffneighbors.com. Then you'll find me and Uh, And then when you get to the website, on the top right of the webpage, you're going to see a place to subscribe, and I put a lot of uh, very valuable information out for free to my email subscribers, so if you put your email address in and subscribe to the email list, then that's going to be the best way to make sure that you get a lot of our exclusive and valuable content.
0: Wonderful. Um, Well, thank you so much for sharing this information with us today, Jeff. And for all you ultimate retirees out there, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. And of course, share this information with friends and family who you think might benefit as well. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you again soon.
1: Definitely. And I'm going to add one more thing sure. is, um, is we're going to make this interactive as well. This isn't just oh, going definitely. to be like, you know, turning on the TV and seeing whatever stuff they want to, you know, put out or whatnot. Um, there's going to be some interactivities to this podcast. So one of the benefits of subscribing to both the podcast and to the email list is that as we, uh, continue this whole experience, there's going to be an opportunity for you to send in your questions send in suggestions for topics you want covered. And we're going to answer all the questions we can and cover all the topics that we have uh, valuable help with. And we'll be sharing our best resources, my Rolodex, all that Uh, is going to be available to people who subscribe to the podcast and to the email. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe at jeffneighbors.com. Maybe
0: even a a peek into the sort of insider mind. Maybe in future episodes you can even share with us some deals that that you're seeing or that are coming across your desk too.
1: Absolutely. My favorite thing to do is to share case studies. Case studies where it's not just a bunch of theories, but this is the story of something that the actual results of something Uh, that somebody did and how they did it so that you can model after them, model after their success and get some success of your own. And we'll be doing that in the future. So um, that's it for today's episode.
0: Yep. Thanks so much, Ultimate Retirees. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.